0: Good morning, and I hope you're all in good spirits. Good to see you all. I hope you've had a good week. We've been at the uh, Vineyard Leaders Conference last week, and uh, we also had the opportunity to hear uh, Bill Hybels uh, live. There was about, must be two, three hundred leaders, I would think, up at Stafford, and we kind of had, he had a question answer session, and it was great to hear such distilled wisdom. Uh, This message that you're going to hear comes out of that because it was my turn up to preach this Sunday. I'm here, but I didn't know what I was going to preach. So, while we were there, Bill mentioned something from um, Malachi, and Linda was sitting just away from me, and she said, oh, that'd be good to preach on, and then Chris was sitting away and said, oh, then that'd be good to preach on, so from the mouth of two witnesses, let every word be established, so hence we are going to be looking at Malachi, and the title of this message is, give him your best, you know, what does God want from us? He wants many things, but he wants our best, you know. This is a question that we're kind of going to unwrap and unravel this morning. We read in Malachi. Now, Malachi is an interesting book because it's about those people who have come back from the exile. Now, the thing is, they've been back a long time. The exile happened, well, they went into exile about 586 BC, but that's not the point. They've been back a good while. It's about 432 BC at this time. The temple has been well established, they've been back for over 100, 150 odd years. However, things are not going well. Some of the prophetic words that were spoken in the times of Nehemiah by Zechariah and Haggai, those are characters that you're gonna read, meet in heaven, and they'll say, have you read my book? (laughs) And some of you are gonna look really embarrassed. (laughs) Right, Haggai and Zechariah, these prophecies haven't come to pass. The people have got into a kind of malaise. The the, the, the priests have become very slack. In fact, they've become quite um, corrupt. And also, the people have just got, been uh, just decided in their worship. There's not been passion. There's not been purpose, and they're just going through the motions. So I'm going to read here in Malachi 1 to 14. Oh, by the way, Nam, good to see you. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A prophecy, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, How have I loved us? How have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have turned his hill country into a wasteland, and left his inheritance. To the desert jackals. Edom may say. Though we have been crushed. We will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord God Almighty says. They may build. But I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land. A people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will sit with your own eyes and say. Great is the Lord. Even beyond the borders of Israel breaking covenant through blemished sacrifices. A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is your priest who show contempt for my name. But I, you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? by offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible when you offer blind animals for sacrifice. Is that not wrong? When you sacrifice a lame or diseased animal, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you? Says the Lord God Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying, The Lord's temple is defiled, its food is contemptible. And you say, What a burden! And you sniff at it contentiously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifice, should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed is the chief who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For am I a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Very salutary, isn't it? This is actually God, in a sense, complaining about his people. So, I'm going to take it from verse 6. A son honours his father, and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honour due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is your priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? Let's unpack this. See, what's happened is over a period of time, people, the people start to go through the motions of worship. They're doing it, but their hearts are somewhere else. In other words, when they come to worship, they're not engaging with God. They're actually disengaging with him. And what they have is what we call a form of religion without the power. You see this uh, 2 Timothy 3, 5. Paul warns about it. He said, look guys, be engaged. Otherwise, what you have is religion. Religion will never save you. Because if your heart's not engaged in it, when trouble comes, you'll just have words. It'll it be just knowledge. So what's the first indictment? that God has against his people. First one is, where is my honor? And what was the response of the people? It was interesting. But you ask, how have we shown content for your name? What's happened is the people become insensitive. You know, what happens is that they've gone to church every Sunday or to the temple, done their thing, and they're insensitive. They're not particularly um, engaged. So when God poses this, as it were indictment against them they're like you, what, what do you mean what do you mean what do you mean that's exactly yeah. is that, well, me I was a, a teacher for many years and if you challenged the student they would offer, they would kind of like you'd say Johnny and they go like that well, what me who me and that's exactly what they're like who me well, surely Lord you know we go to the temple we bring our sacrifices everything is cool God said no It's not cool. I've seen your sacrifices. You see, the funny thing is like they thought that God couldn't see. Strange, isn't it? That they thought that, you know, if they brought a blemished sacrifice, somehow God wouldn't see it, like he'd like he could miss it. He says, How were they showing God disrespect? By offering defiled food on their altar. He said, and then, but even then, the, 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 the audacity, God's trying to press the point, look man, you've you, you got defiled food, and they said, but, 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 but you ask, how, how have we defiled you? So what's happening is they're, they're entered into self-deception. Self-deception has happened here. They, they, they don't even recognize that what they're bringing is not right. This is a dangerous place. Because at one point, they would have known. But over a period of time, They've re-centred, 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 re-centred. So now, they would call black, white, and white, black. That's a little bit like our society, isn't it? I could develop that, but I won't. But saying that the Lord's table is contemptible when you offer blind animals to sacrifice, is this not wrong? (laughs) the fact that God has to spell it out for them tells you the state that they are in. You see, they knew the law. Leviticus 3 says this, if the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. They knew this. They read the Torah. You must present it at the entrance of the tent of meeting so it will be acceptable to the Lord. They'd got to a place where they they were offering things, it was unacceptable, and they didn't even know it. Now, this frightens me, because these are religious people. These are people who are supposed to have an understanding of who God is and know his ways. Yet they had got to a place, by the time we get to the end of Malachi, and by the way, after that, there's 400 years of silence until John the Baptist comes. That's how far they had moved away. What was the second indictment against them? Showing contempt for God. How? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. Try offering them to your governor. In other words, you give, your boss wouldn't even take this, but you're giving it to me. I'm God in heaven, and just, you just—you wouldn't give it to your governor, but you give it to me. What's going on here? Consider for a moment what God had done for Israel. I could go further back. But he took them out of Egypt, into the Promised Land. He made them a mighty nation. But of course, they disobeyed him. Judah and Benjamin went into exile. The other 10 tribes went into Assyrian captivity and disappeared forever. But God brought back Judah and Benjamin after 70 years. And God forgave them for their idolatry. He helped them to rebuild the temple. And here's the wonderful thing. He took a foreign pagan king to do it. Cyrus, my servant. Then he provided for them food and clothing. However... The thing that marks out this community is the fact that they were disillusioned and doubtful and ungrateful because of the fact that the prophetic words that were brought for Zechariah and Haggai had not come to pass. Now, how did it express itself in terms of their worship? Simple. They simply didn't give of their best. And how did God respond? This is, you know, this is heavy how God responds. He says this, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. This is what he says: If it's not your best, don't bother. We might as well just stop this charade And shut the place up. That's what God is saying. Now, the import of that is, is powerful because you remember, for Israel, the temple was everything. Even when they were away from Jerusalem, they were told to pray towards Jerusalem, towards the temple. So God's saying, I'm so fed up with you and the way that you're behaving. You're so insensitive. Look, forget the worship, forget the stuff, shut the place down. what was the problem what was the problem well here's the problem Israel thought it was about them like modern day followers of Jesus we think that God is just here to heal us to love us to comfort us to restore us which he is but that's not the main purpose One of the challenges of evangelical Christianity is that we have been very focused on on individualism. What, our salvation, we being saved, we going to heaven. But actually, it's not about us. Professor Tom Wright, I was corrected uh, in the interval, Uh, Bishop Tom Wright has resigned as as Bishop of Durham. He's now a professor. He says this, we've developed a faith where we're at the center and God is there to meet our needs. When in fact, the plan of salvation is that God redeems us so that through us he can make his wonderful name known to the world. Here's the point, friends. You see, you, in our this church here we, we are blessed. So you can come and you could be broken, you could be messed up, and all of that stuff. And we have we are blessed with a ministry tree led up by Linda Hall where we will minister to you and help God to work, you, help you work through your stuff. But that's not the primary objective. The only reason God will help you work through your stuff is so that you can effectively demonstrate to the world what He is like. You see, one of the problems is that people, some people come to church, and if their needs are not being met, they're upset. They're like, "Well, I, ain't gonna, you know, my needs are not being met, so I'm not going to worship God today." Or it's me, 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 yeah. Or they give you the puppy dog look. All right, me, me. Yeah, look friends as much as we want to help you the point is this that it's, it's not about you it's never about you Christopher J. Wright he's the former principal of the Christ for Nations College in his book and Chris gave me the book actually The Mission of God clearly reminds us that the grand narrative of the Bible is that God wants to make his name known to the nations on the earth through a redeemed community that's always the plan that's always been the plan that he would find an ex- a people who he could express his character through and he, he looked to Israel but Israel failed so when Jesus when God sent his son and he came in person and he became the perfect sacrifice for us so that we could come into a relationship with him and the church was born the whole purpose was so that the manifold wisdom of God could be made known to the principalities and the powers through the vehicle of the church that's what it's about so this is bigger than you or me god wants to save you and heal you and help you to get through your stuff that i'm working through my stuff but the whole point of it is that ultimately he can demonstrate to the principalities and powers and all those people who are kinging it at the moment that he is god and he does it through his church and one of the things that excites us about bill hybels is he realizes that the church is the vehicle through which God can manifest his power and his love and his mercy, the church. Yeah. That's what it's about. That's it. And that's what we are investing our lives in because that's eternal, that's the only thing that can change our society. And God will use his people like you and me to do it, the church, the manifold wisdom of God, that he will take something that is despised by the world to be the very thing that can bring Deliverance and salvation and change to nations. That's the way our God works. That's why he says in verse 11, my name will be great among the nations. In the midst of the disappointment, he actually declares what it's about. He does exactly the same thing if you look in Numbers chapter 14 verse 21. Moses sends the spies out into the land. They come back and bring an evil report and God in his disappointment has to deal with those leaders, but in the midst of it he says as truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with my glory. In other words, one day there will be a generation of people who will rise up and demonstrate who I am to the world. So in the midst of his judgment, in the midst of the disappointment, he declares his true aim, that my name will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place. Incense and pure offerings will be brought to me. Because my name will be great. Among the nations says the Lord almighty. You know friends. We bring a blemished lamb. When we choose. Not to serve. Because God has not moved in our lives. The way that we would like him to. These people were disappointed about the past. And we all have stuff. All have things that we're hoping that God will do. And some of us are disappointed over it because it hasn't happened yet. And it's affecting the way that we bring our worship. You know, we've got our hands in our pockets. Metaphorically speaking. Because God hasn't done what he's supposed to do for us. Like God was there for you. (laughs) Like you, you know, if God doesn't turn up. Well, if God doesn't turn up, so what? He's not here for you. only he's here for a bigger purpose and he has a plan and maybe he's keeping you waiting for a purpose to see what's really in your heart second point when we become ungrateful for what he has done and we can only focus on the things or issues that he's yet to fulfill ah you see one of the things when I'm reading this passage what comes through is ungratefulness You know, I'm grateful that I have a house. My wife is forever reminding me, we've been in it 30 years. Oh, this needs changing, that needs changing. I said, look, I just thank God I've got a house and it's warm. And when I go through the door, you know, I'm thankful to God. Yes, I know this needs sorting. out. Let's be thankful for what we have before we start moaning about what we haven't got. And if you find in your heart that you tend to focus on the things that you haven't got instead of the things that you have got and you don't give thanks, you're in a dangerous place. Because you see, when you come through the gates, Psalm 100, Chris mentioned it. Enter his courts with what? Thanksgiving in your hearts, oops. Enter his courts with praise. And what I usually say when I read it out if I'm leading a service at our congregation is, in other words, don't be miserable. <laughs> you know, when you come into this course, don't be miserable, leave the outside. Some of that's difficult because you see, we've had a tough week and, Things are not going well and the bank accounts are not looking good and we've had difficulties. And I'm not in any way decrying these things. We're all impacted by these things. But you see, the first marker I think of a Christian is that they are thankful. They are grateful for all that God has already done for them. First, through their son, Jesus. Through his son, Jesus. And they're thankful for the material blessings they have, for the, the, for the relational blessings that they have. Next point, when we live out of our past and fail to live out of the new identity that is provided for us in Christ Jesus. You see, we're not decrying the fact that we don't have issues. You know, I'm working through stuff. You're working through stuff. But you see, God has provided a new identity for you. And you can choose to live out the identity that has been given to you by other people you know, by friends and society, or you can choose to live out the identity that God has for you in Christ Jesus. Yes, you're maybe a doctor and a lawyer or a teacher and all that, that's not who you are, that's just what you do. Who you are, first and foremost, is a son and a daughter of the living God. Thank you. That's who you are. That's who you always are, because you can lose the job, you can lose the status, you can lose the wife, you can lose the house, all of that stuff can happen, But you're still a son and you're still a daughter. And God's love is still on you. That's your identity. And if you walk in that way, and you know who you are in Christ, that you are loved, that you have his righteousness upon you, that he is for you, that he rejoices over you with singing, that he's giving you a robe of righteousness, and all of those things, then when you come through those gates, you're ready to worship God. You're not living out of what the world tells you you are or what your friends tell you are. You're living out of what God tells you you are. And who would you rather listen to or should listen to, would be honest, yeah? The most powerful person that we speak to is ourselves. Yeah? So, how can we give God our best? 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. I want to just bring some points out for you. This is where I wanted to get to, because I want you to hear this in your spirit. I want you to, to get this. But you are, we are the people of God, born not of will of blood of man, but of God, born of Jesus. We're a chosen people. There's a new ethnic race on the planet, Hallelujah. Yeah, we're not, they're, they're black and white and pink and yellow and, red and all of that. But we are chosen of God. You're not an accident. God looked down the corridors of time and he called Andrew Mills to be in his kingdom and his goodly wife. Yeah. It wasn't an accident. He planned it. He planned that you would be here. So you're chosen. When we remember who we are then we can come into his presence. Because you are chosen, you are special. It goes on to say here, you are a royal priesthood. So we have been, we are priests unto God. Royal. That means we can offer praises, we can offer prayers. We're a part of a holy nation. There are only two nations on the earth. There's the people of God and the other people. God's special possession Do you realize that? That you are precious to God? That you are his special possession? Most of us, we know this cognitively. Yes? We know in our mind that we are special to God. But of course, when things happen in our life, it's like, (laughs) I'm such a miserable sinner. Excuse me, you were, but you're not. You're precious to God. And if you've never been precious to anybody, you are precious to him. Amen? So for those of you who feel rejected this morning, you could know that you're precious. That when God looks at you, He looks at you as that new baby with love, with compassion in his eyes. Because you are precious. Now, if we stop there, that would be good. Because that's we as charismatics. we love that. You know, we, 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 we're into that, you know. We're precious, that we're special, etc. And if we stop there, then we have a club. Of people that just need love, 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 love. And Lynn and the pastoral team go around and we minister to you and we have SMTs and we just pour in the love, the love, the love, right? But it, it, it goes on. The purpose of healing you up and ministry teams and all of that is for the second part. When we buy into his mission. Hear it, listen to this. This is what he says there. That you may what? Declare, proclaim the praise of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I will take it one bit further. To those who are seeking and searching for Jesus. You see, you have a mission. The reason why God does all of that is so that you can be... A, Proclaim. You can declare. You can be a witness. You can speak out and live out a life in front of people so that they can come to know Jesus. That's your mission. That's our mission. Our mission isn't just to get healed. It's, it's also that we might declare him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you see, some of you, you come to get what you can get. I need, I need, I need. No, we'll pray for you, but ultimately God is going to heal you up so that you can declare, you can proclaim. That's the mission. That's the mission. And don't worry, we'll still love you, but ultimately our goal is so that you will ultimately move from where you are in terms of healing and love and that to ultimately being someone who can proclaim and herald the goodness and mercy of God in your life. To the people that you live amongst and work amongst. So we can give of our best. Not only when we bind to God's mission. But when we choose to continually bring a sacrifice of praise. Friends. You know, I'm blessed that the pastoral team here. You know there are people that have had things happen to them in the last year. That have been pretty difficult. In fact Tragic would be the word. But as we've seen those people come in their brokenness, in their sorrow, in their pain, and bring a sacrifice of worship to God. You see, worship isn't just for when you, things are going well in your life, when everything is going well with you. It's for times when you are broken and you're messed up. And you know, when you come before God and you come and you say, Lord, you know, it's just a mess relationally Lord everything's just a mess but Lord I come before you and I come before you as my God knowing that you love me and I want to worship you this day and bless your name that you are a faithful God that you're not just righteous but you love me and I love you and I want to declare your praise in the midst of the congregation that's what David said I will declare your praise that worship is so precious to God because it's a sacrifice it's not based on what's going on in their life it's based on who he is that he's worthy. If he did nothing for you, you'd still be worthy. And that's what God calls us to. And when you come on a Sunday morning or when you, you know, to, or come together to worship, yes, all kind of stuff has happened to us. But God calls us to bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And it means that we worship God not based on how our week has been. but based on who he is. And give him praise. And a wonderful thing happens when that happens. When you do that, somehow God comes down into your situation and he lifts you up. And all of a sudden now, you have a bird's eye view of what's really going on. And you begin to see it from his perspective. And after a while, it's not as difficult and as terrible as you thought. Because you chose to bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of God. Finally when we choose to present our bodies that is our gifts talents energy time money to god as a living holy and well-pleasing sacrifice to god Romans 12:1 you see i could have brought this message two ways i could have said all the things that god has done for you why wouldn't you Give yourself to him. But I didn't bring it that way. It's because of who he is. And because of his name and the fame that he wants to bring that you ought to come and bring your sacrifice, your life. You could invest your life in making someone else's business more successful. You could invest your life in education and knowledge and academia. You could invest your life and sit in front of the television because many people do that but why wouldn't you invest your life in an internal enterprise which will reach men and women and change their destiny forever yeah. amen you see you know I was in a job for 14 years that job has come to an end but one of the things I realized while I was away during the week was that God didn't just get me out so I could just work forever making money that I needed He wanted me to invest time in eternal, in eternity. And when I'm here, I'm investing in eternity. I will never know. Chris will never know. Richard will never know the lives that have been touched when we preach this stuff and it goes out on the podcast. We don't know. We only find out in eternity. You will never know how your life has impacted other people. When you give it to him as a sacrifice, when you put him first, when you seek first his kingdom, when you decide that when you come into the presence of God, you're going to serve you're gonna worship, you're gonna give, and invest your time in eternity. And here's an interesting benefit. It says that you, will, you are putting, you're developing your reward in heaven. Because Matthew 6, it says where your heart is, where will be your treasure. But I mustn't develop that. So, let's stand, shall we, in the presence of God. And let's, as a community, uh, the musicians if they would please join us and let's as a community decide that we're going to give God our best that whatever we have if it's two loaves and five fishes and that's all we have we're going to bring it and we're going to give of our time, our energy and our money, money. we're going to give worship even not based on how our life is going but based on who he is that he is God That he is great among the nations. And here it is. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me. In other words, when you worship God like that, it's incense and it's offerings to him. Because his name is great among the nations. Bring your best, friends. Because, yes, he deserves the best. And you know something? As we... As a a community look to move to the next level in terms of numbers and things that we're going to do, it's going to require that we give of our best. And God will help you wherever you are. Don't allow your past to stop you. Don't get angry with God because he hasn't done stuff for you. Just come and bring that sacrifice of worship and service to him. Let's pray. Father, we bless you that you are a great king and you are a great God. We thank you, Lord, that your plan is that through your church, you would declare your greatness to the nations. And Father, we would ask you that you will help us as a people to give of our best. Give of our time and our energy and our money for something greater than ourselves. That the world might know that our God is great. That he is merciful. That he is compassionate. That he is full of mercy. That we, Lord, might be the people through which you can move with love and power across this nation. Lord, help us to bring our sacrifice of praise and service to you. Amen.